This episode of WISE contains discussions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Cautionary tales are stories that all of us have heard. They're usually told to children to keep them in line or safe. Like the boy who cried wolf, who learns a hard lesson when nobody comes to his aid, when there really is a wolf. Or Little Red Riding Hood, who narrowly escapes the clutches of the wolf, thanks to the assistance of a nearby woodsman. Or Hansel and Gretel, who almost learn the hard way not to take candy from strangers. Well, unless you ask the Grimm brothers. Cautionary tales often carry themes that we're intended to take with us to adulthood, like honesty, humility, self-reliance, and street smarts. But sometimes, cautionary tales exist within religions to urge morality and warn of the consequences of an immoral life. They're scare tactics to get people to act in line with someone's interpretation of religious beliefs. Oftentimes, they're stories written thousands of years ago whose meanings and interpretations have changed with societies. One of the best examples of a religious cautionary tale is the story of the two ill-fated cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah goes like this. Sodom and Gomorrah were cities full of wicked and immoral people. God intended to destroy the cities, but first decided to send a couple of angels on a reconnaissance mission. First, the angels came across Abraham and his wife Sarah, who were hospitable and welcoming to them. Because of this, God revealed to Abraham what his intent for Sodom and Gomorrah was. Abraham asked God to spare the cities if fifty righteous people could be found, but then bargains with God until they agree that the cities will be spared if ten righteous people can be found within the walls. So the angels set out to the cities disguised as humans. When they arrive in Sodom, they are met by Abraham's nephew, Lot. Lot and his wife provide food and lodging to the travelers, showing hospitality and kindness. Suddenly, all the men in the city show up in a mob outside Lot's door, demanding that Lot hand over the strangers so they can, quote, know them. Lot refuses to hand over the men. Instead, 
offering his two virgin daughters to the angry mob, telling them to do whatever they see fit to the girls, but that he would not be handing over the complete strangers who just came into his house. The mob is not pleased with this offer and begin to try to break down the door. The angels then reveal themselves as such, striking the men of the city blind and explaining to Lot that Sodom and Gomorrah are to be destroyed because of their wickedness. They tell Lot to gather his family and escape the city and not to look back. As they're leaving, fire and stone begin to rain down on the cities, destroying them. But Lot and his daughters press forward. Lot's wife, however, turns back to see the cities, only to be instantly transformed into a pillar of salt. Lot and his daughters go on to have many adventures, like producing children of incest, the end. I know it goes without saying, but this story is unbelievably problematic for a lot of reasons. I'll start with an easy one. Lot's wife isn't named. Like, ever. The only thing close to a record of her name is within some Jewish traditions, where she is called Edith. But in this story, she's nameless. She's a plot device, a woman whose only value is being married to a righteous man, and who ends up being stupid enough to do the one thing they were told not to do, resulting in her bizarre death. Which is just so ridiculous. If flaming stones were falling from the sky onto your home, wouldn't you want to see? Being told not to look back was nothing more than a test of obedience where you either pass or die. In the Quranic version of this story, Lot's wife stays behind in the city by choice because she is as evil as the rest of the inhabitants. Problem 2. What did Gomorrah do wrong? This entire story takes place within Sodom Gomorrah is just a neighboring city that we're told is equally evil. Wiping an entire city full of people off the map seems kind of cruel, especially when you're considering that includes children as well. Which takes us to the next point. The challenge was for the angels to find 50, no, 45, no, 40, Okay, ten righteous people within Sodom. The entire city is judged on the actions of the men in the city. So either this city is full of nothing but men, which seems unlikely, considering Lot lives there with his wife and daughters, or women and children 
aren't people. In which case, a god who is supposed to be just and supposed to be giving this city a fair chance at proving there are some redeeming people living there, instead decides to rain down fire and brimstone on all of the innocent non-participants living in not one, but two cities. All this story shows us is that the men of Sodom were trash humans, and women and children don't count as people. They're simply extensions of their husbands or fathers, and any decision the men make has a direct impact on the women and children, who have no say in anything. And while we're talking about women not being considered people, I have questions for Lot. Namely, what the hell, dude? Lot, a man of great righteousness, literally tells a mob, I'm not going to hand over these complete strangers who are just passing through to you. But you can have my daughters if it'll make you go away. You can do whatever you want with them. Now, at this point in time, two of Lot's daughters were already married and living elsewhere. So maybe he thought, it's fine, whatever happens to these two, I'll still have two daughters left. Which leaves me with the exact same number of questions I already had, but they all go back to, what the hell, dude? In this story, Lot is considered to be righteous because of his kindness and hospitality to the strangers. And that righteousness isn't canceled out by him literally offering to hand over his own children to an angry mob because he did it out of hospitality towards strangers. Anyway, The last big problematic point of this story is the modern takeaway. If you don't know much about Christianity, Judaism, or Islam, you still have likely heard this story in some form at some point being used as an argument against homosexuality. The idea being that since the men of Sodom showed up at Lot's house and demanded that Lot hand over the visitors so they could know them, that their intent was to rape the strangers. Now, there are a few different possible translations of the Hebrew word used in this story. But just a few lines after the men demand the strangers be given to them, Lot offers up his daughters, who have, quote, never known a man, which is a reference to their purity, and the same word is used. So, let's assume for a second that that was the intent of what the mob was demanding. The context of the time is important to take into account here, and in ancient times, men raping other men was used as a tool of control and humiliation and had no bearing on someone's sexual identity. 
Unless you want to assume that this was an entire city of predatory gay men, the demand was less about homosexuality and more about sexual assault as a tool. And as a side note here, the word homosexuality doesn't exist anywhere in the Bible. To understand this idea of sexual assault as a tool of power, there's another story where something similar happens. A man traveling with his concubine stops in a city named Jebeah. While there, the men of the city show up in a mob outside of the place they're staying and demand that the man come out so they can assault him, to which he pretty much responds, No thanks, but you can have her, though, and shoves his concubine out the door. She is raped and killed by the mob, which did end up leading to a major war but that was more because they attempted to attack a man and less because they did attack a woman. The Jebeah story not only has the same theme of men sacrificing women to a mob to protect men, but it also has the same themes of travelers being threatened by locals with sexual assault as a tool of power and control. The men of Jebea wanted to commit violence, and they didn't care about the gender of the person on the receiving end of that violence. But here's the thing about the Sodom and Gomorrah story. It wasn't viewed as a cautionary tale related to homosexuality until sometime around the first century and it wasn't considered a mainstream interpretation of the story until the 5th century, which would have been over a thousand years after the story itself would have taken place. Not only that, but the Bible mentions the story of Sodom and Gomorrah 20 times after the story itself takes place. Out of those 20 references... Only two pertain to sexuality at all. And those references are to the sensual conduct of the wicked and that the people had given themselves to, quote, sexual immorality and perversion. One other verse that doesn't specifically mention sexuality that is often used as proof of the anti-gay sentiment of the story references abomination. And here's a tidbit about that word. That specific word referencing abomination is used 117 times in the Old Testament, and 111 of those are not referring to same-sex relationships or behaviors. It seems clear that some type of sexual perversion was present in Sodom and Gomorrah, which could be more things than I care to try to come up with. 
But you know what else Sodom and Gomorrah are accused of within religious text? Arrogance, violence, inhospitality, cruelty to the poor, theft, murder, oppression of marginalized groups, adultery, idolatry, pride, hostility, abuses of power, and mockery. I'd like to take this opportunity to point out the number of those things that the same people who try to use religion as a tool against homosexuality are guilty of themselves. Hostility, arrogance, and oppression of marginalized people immediately come to mind. This intentional misinterpretation of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is used as a tool against the LGBTQ community, while people conveniently ignore their own faults and sins that are very clearly spoken against in religious texts, like haughtiness and arrogance. In reality, religion shouldn't be used as a weapon or a tool to oppress or hurt anyone. Religion is intended to lift people up, and provide a blueprint of morality while encouraging people to focus on their own moral shortcomings and not trying to pick out what they perceive to be the moral shortcomings of others. By the way, no definitive evidence has been found to date to indicate that Sodom or Gomorrah ever existed, which means the story is likely intended to be seen as a parable or a cautionary tale against wickedness. If what you take away from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is an excuse to oppress or hate people within the LGBTQ plus community, then you've completely missed the purpose of the tale. Maybe now would be a good time to identify your own moral shortcomings and begin working toward bettering yourself. And maybe just be a little bit nicer to other people today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wise. Get access to special patron-only episodes and get public episodes a day early by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash wisepodcast. For questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at awisepodcast or email me at awisepodcast at gmail.com.